Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. In 2004, a documentary film was released called Super Size Me, and the film had a really simple plot. It was about one guy called Morgan Spurlock, and he was going to spend 30 days eating and drinking only stuff that he could buy from McDonald's. So this man, Morgan, went to McDonald's for his breakfast, then he'd go back to McDonald's for his lunch, and then he'd go back to McDonald's again for his evening meal. And during the film, you see the impact of Morgan's devotion to eating McDonald's. Over the course of 30 days, he put on more than 11 kilograms. That's getting on for one and three quarters stone. It had a really negative impact on his physical well-being, but also on his mental health. Now, If you or I had a camera crew that followed our every move for 30 days, what would the film say about you and about me? What would people say that we are devoted to? What are the things we're most committed to or enjoy doing the most? They might see the little habits that you're devoted to, maybe eating breakfast, washing your hands after visiting the toilet, Brushing your teeth twice a day, all good habits that should have a good impact on your life, and I fully endorse them. But what else? What are the things that you keep doing or that you keep thinking about that are unique to you? Something I've been thinking about a lot recently is Nottingham Forest Football Club. Ever since they got promoted back to the Premier League for the first time in about 23 years, You'll find that I'm regularly on the club website and other football news sites. Now, maybe, perhaps you're different. Maybe that's not your thing. Perhaps you tirelessly clean the bathroom or you like to do gardening or you're browsing eBay or you're browsing Gorton Market or you're on Instagram. Maybe you read the Bible regularly or maybe you come to here to church regularly. And whatever those things are, I wonder what the impact is that people would see in my life and that they'd see in your life from our devotion to those things. And then that makes us think about, well, what about us as a church? If a camera crew followed us for a month, they'd certainly see that we're committed to meeting together regularly. Um, They'd see that we're a group of people who serve and volunteer our time in so many ways. And they would see that we like to sing uh, about him and about uh, to him, to God, and they'd see that we listen to what the Bible says about him. They'd see that we teach our kids about him. Hopefully, uh, they would see that we are devoted to God and that it affects all parts of our lives. Now, devotion is one of three values or characteristics that Christ Church Manchester aims to see in all our churches across the city. You can read more about it on our website, But we aim to be churches that are characterised by devotion to Jesus, community with each other and mission to the world around us. Now, these are great things to describe a church and us as individuals. 
but they don't just happen by accident. And that's why for the next three weeks, we're doing an exclusive series only here at Gorton, looking at our strategy or our plan for the next three years. It's going to set out how we're going to aim to be a church and a people that grow in our devotion to Jesus, that are more of a community with each other and are increasing in mission to the world around us. So today we look at devotion. Next week, Andy Armstrong's going to talk us through our plans for community. And then Lizzie is going to be sharing more about our mission. So let's take a look at what it means to be devoted to Jesus before we see what we're hoping for over the next few years. The call for us to be devoted to Jesus, to love God above everything else, is summarised in the Ten Commandments. We're told in the first commandment that we are to have no other gods before him. And the second commandment tells us not to bow down or worship anything else either. We're to be devoted to him. That's all well and good, but how do we do this as individuals and as a church? I think it's really important that if we're going to be devoted to him, it has to start with knowing who he is. The first people who were told about this commandment had just seen God rescue them from slavery in Egypt. And they knew that he cared for them and that he is the Lord over all. God was worthy of their devotion. And if we fast forward a few thousand years, we also know God cares for us and that he is Lord of all. We know how God's rescued us actually from a greater enemy than Pharaoh, and a life of slavery. God's rescued us from sin and a death that lasts forever and he's brought us peace with him and we know it cost him his only son. He is worthy of our devotion. So I think it'd be helpful to consider an example from the Bible um, of someone who was known for their devotion to God. So I want to spend the next few minutes looking at someone whose life and experiences um, can encourage us in our devotion to God. Um, I read somewhere that there's more chapters written about this person than anyone else in the Bible uh, except Jesus. So let's take a look at the life of David. So who was David? Quick recap. David, he was, uh, we first introduced him as just a, a shepherd boy looking after his family's sheep. He would have spent a lot of time alone in relative obscurity. He would not have had a big following on social media. He was a nobody. But he was chosen by God to be the king of Israel. You can read all about him in the Bible, but one of the big themes that comes out is that David is a man after God's own heart. In fact, God said this himself in um, one of the books in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 13, um, it says it says that those very words, God says that David is a man after his own heart. And what a, what a quote, you would want that on your LinkedIn profile or, or on the side of a bus. That is such, such powerful words. And we get a glimpse into his devotion to God in the many Psalms that he wrote, such as this one, from Psalm 63. So I just want to read the first section of Psalm 63 now. It says this from verse 1 to verse 8. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. 
My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watchers of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. And just listening to those words, it it seems as though David's experience of God was all consuming. I mean, just let's just look at a couple of a couple of bits there. So firstly, David was devoted to God in his thoughts. So in his mind, you see in verse six, it says that David's in bed thinking about God all through the night. He's not dwelling on the three episodes of a Netflix series he watched back to back the night before or imagining playing for England and scoring in the World Cup final. He is so obsessed with God that it's God that he's thinking about through the night. So David's devoted in his thoughts, in his mind, but then David is also devoted to God in his words. If you look at verse three, it says, my lips will glorify you. And then in verse four, I'll praise you as long as I live. And in verse seven, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Whatever comes out of his mouth, he seems to be bigging God up. It's all about praising God. So he's devoted, David is, to God in his thoughts. He's devoted to God in his words. And then we see also here, David is devoted to God in his deeds and the things he does. It starts off in verse one, earnestly I seek you. And then, in fact, everything about David is affected. Verse one, my whole being longs for God. Verse three, your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. How much do we value our lives? But he's saying that God's love is better than life itself. What a legend David is. And yet, despite being selected by God himself, despite being described by God as a man after his own heart, if you carry on reading the Bible, you see David actually did some utterly horrendous things. And David needed other people to help him get back on track. Other people had to point things out to him to help him get right with God. So how much more do we need each other and to be determined in our devotion to God? So here's how we intend to grow in devotion together here at CCM Gorton. It's our strategy for the next three years, our our plan. Um, Before Christmas, we invited all the leaders of the different ministries here at CCM Gorton to reflect on how we grow in our devotion over the next three or so years, and we created this strategy or vision. In the next two weeks, we'll look at community and mission, but today I want to talk through the goals that we've got relating to devotion. So, number one, gifts. Um, We want to exercise and develop gifts among 
everyone in church. The Bible says that the church is a body and that we all have an important part to play. We need each other. For some of us, we might feel really confident that we know what our role is and how we can bless the church. But for some of us, we, we don't really know. We might lack confidence or we haven't had the opportunity. So, so this is an area we really want to support each other in, to help each other to thrive. So that's gifts. Secondly, preachers. We want to develop six new preachers. We've got some great preachers across CCM and here at Gorton, and we know there are more that have yet to be given the opportunity. Last year, John and Kim completed the preaching course. It's run by CCM, so anyone preaching knows how to prepare and deliver a message that is full of truth and life. John and Kim have since preached here at Gorton and they're due to preach again in the coming months. And we're going to be looking to get more people to complete that course and join our preaching rota. For some people, they might try it out and feel it's not for them. For others, they may become occasional preachers uh, and others might find they actually have a real gift. And I know some people have already expressed interest in this and we'll let you know about the next course when it happens. An encouraging more new preachers will hopefully not only grow and exercise their giftings and skills, but will hopefully provide more ways for God to speak to us. So that's preachers. Number three, by the way, the six, in case you're wondering, uh, three is prayer. We want to embed a strong prayer culture in relationships and when gathered together. This church has always had a great reputation for prayer and there's lots going on. We meet together before our Sunday services to pray. You're always welcome, by the way, 10 o'clock uh, here. We have a women's prayer meeting every Saturday morning on Zoom. And we've now got a men's prayer meeting every Tuesday morning, 6.30am on Zoom. We join together once a month as a church Instead of community groups, we do that to pray in person here. And we meet with other local churches to pray. There are so many opportunities to pray, but we don't want to just rely on organised meetings to pray. We want to be a people who pray whenever and wherever. Last night, um, Lizzie and I and Sam and Nikki were at the home of a, an Egyptian um, Muslim family, some friends near our home. Uh, we'd had a lovely evening. They had absolutely um, oh, pulled out all the stops. Incredible spread of food. Delicious. They really have been so generous to us, offering us the greatest of uh um, Egyptian hospitality. We really had a good time. So nice. And uh, I was thinking what a lovely evening it had been. Um, now, last time when we'd been with them at our house, at the end of our time together, um, we'd actually offered to pray for them and we'd prayed for them. And, um, and that was that. But I thought, well, we're not going to be doing that here. We're at their house. We don't want to be inappropriate. We don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. We're certainly not going to be doing that. But Lizzie had other ideas. So we just sat there at the end of this lovely evening and then Lizzie said, she reminded them of how when they were at house, our house, we'd prayed for them and she said, could we pray for you? And I just thought, oh dear, 
Oh, Lizzie, we've had such a good time, such a lovely evening, and now you've probably caused some great offence by um, by bringing this up, this idea of us praying for them in their home. Um, so I braced myself, waiting for the atmosphere to change. Maybe we dishonoured them, or maybe it was in some way breaking cultural um, norms and expectations. But as soon as she said... Um, would you like us to pray for you? And there was a slight, or well, I felt awkward. There was a slight pause. Um, the uh, the father of the house said, uh, "Yes." He said, um, "He he said yes, please." He said he would love it if we prayed for for them. And he said he mentioned how when they'd been over at our house, he had felt tingles through his body as we had prayed for him. Um, so I wasn't expecting that, but that was just such a wonderful moment where the prayer had. Uh, taken place outside of a formal meeting it was just it was just happening we were just praying in in whatever situation we found ourselves in and that's the kind of people we want to be we want to be a people who pray everywhere whether it's dropping off kids at the school gate on the bus in Gorton Market on the sofa in the park on the phone we want to pray as a church as a community as community groups as families as married couples as friends. And so we're going to be looking to do all we can to encourage and support each other to enjoy praying more, to enjoy talking to God and hearing from him. So that's prayer. Number four, services. We want to review our services every three months to ensure that we reflect and that we grow. It would be really easy to just keep meeting, keep doing the same things week in, week out, But we want to continue to make sure our meetings are as good as they can be. Are there things that don't work that we need to stop or change? Are there things we should do more of or less of? In recent months, we started doing um, this time tomorrow slot as part of the service to help us get to know one another. And we've changed the start time so we can pray before the service. We don't ever want to get stuck doing things the same way just because that's what we've always done. We want to do whatever we can to help us grow in our devotion to God. Number five, worship. We want to encounter Jesus in worship. Now, I I quite like a sing-along, and it can be nice to hear each other's voices, other people's voices, whether a football match or in a choir But our singing here is intended to be worship to God. So we want to commit to doing all we can to enable us to encounter Jesus, to experience more of God as we worship him. And it's likely that this is the only time in the week that we actually join with other people to worship God like this. So we want to raise our expectations of this time. And finally, testimonies. We want to um, encourage frequent testimony sharing of God at work. Isn't it powerful when we hear about what God has been doing in someone else's life? Years ago, we were in a church with somebody who'd previously struggled with addiction. And this person, she would openly talk about this struggle and she'd share, share how God had helped her to find freedom. And Whenever people heard her open up about her addictions, 
what would tend to happen is they'd approach her at different times to share their previously, up until that point, secret struggles and addictions. Because thanks to the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, our sin is washed away. And that allows us to speak freely about our shame and struggles. In the last book of the Bible, Revelation, it describes how believers in Jesus will, it says, triumph over the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. There is power in sharing how God is at work, so we want to do it more. As I've been thinking about this message in recent weeks, it's been a bit uncomfortable as I've thought about how devoted I am, actually, to other things. I could rewrite that Psalm 63 about how I think about so many other things. Um, At Christmas, for example, we got um, thought it'd be a really lovely idea for the kids to get uh, the computer game FIFA 23. I mean, it turns out it's the last FIFA 23 that's being made. Nottingham Forest are now back in the Premier League, so they'll be on it. Um, this football game. So I downloaded the app as well on my phone because, you know, you can do other things. You don't have to go on the computer. You can do things in between, you know, when you're not on the computer. So I downloaded the app. Um, yeah, I could change tactics, look for new players whenever I wanted to. But what I started to find was this computer game, which, you know, just a little treat for the kids, you know, um, and I was enjoying it more and more. Um, I found that I was on the app uh, on the toilet or in bed when uh, Lizzie had fallen to sleep, I'd have a quick sneaky peek on um, on the app and do a bit of a bit of research. Whenever I had a moment, it sucked me right in, and I noticed how it started to consume me. So I've had to delete the app, and I confess I've been through this process before um, when we had FIFA twenty two. But if it's not a computer game, there is no shortage of other things that my heart is looking to as I lie on my bed at night. How about you? What are the things that you meditate on in your bed every night? What were you thinking about last night as you were drifting off to sleep? What are you devoted to thinking about? Perhaps you want to change the way you think, You want to be devoted to God, but you find your mind going down the same paths time and time again. Maybe you feel powerless to change and you hate the impact that these things can have on the way you feel or the way you act. Well, thank God for Jesus. Thankfully, God sent Jesus to show us that he is devoted to us, even though we have failed to be devoted to him. And it hit me this week that not only was Jesus perfect in what he did and in what he said, and not only was Jesus perfect in what he thought, the thing that struck me was that Jesus wanted to be perfect. He desired to do God's will. Jesus didn't do it grudgingly. When Jesus died on the cross. He wasn't doing it reluctantly or while rolling his eyes or tutting at you. He wanted to do it. Jesus is devoted to you.
So I want to end with a, a final verse from the book we know as Romans, the letter that was sent to the church in Rome. And in it, the writer Paul explains how amazing God is in his devotion to us. And it says this in chapter five, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the one we're called to be devoted to. Not a lofty, faraway God who thinks you are unworthy or demands that you sort your life out before you turn to him. No, we're called to devote ourselves to a God of love. So let's do it together.